0: You're listening to The Zeitgeist, a podcast focused on Germany, the United States, and the transatlantic relationship. Join us as we discuss economics, trade and technology, politics, security, and a lot more. I'm Jeff Rathke, president of the American German Institute at Johns Hopkins University. A new movement is poised to shake up German politics. Does that sound familiar? Usually if you hear a sentence like that, it's a reference to the extreme right party known as the Alternative for Germany or AFD. That nationalist anti-immigrant party achieved national prominence during the 2015 migration crisis and has experienced a resurgence in recent months, reaching 20% in national polls. But that's not what we're talking about today, not directly anyway. Today we're focused on an even newer phenomenon. The announcement on October 23rd by Sarah Wagenknecht that she will form a new political party on the far left side of the political spectrum. A snap poll this week suggested that from a cold start, this new party could gain the support of 12% of the German electorate. How this development will affect German politics is the subject of our podcast today. But first, a word about Sarah Wagenknecht. She's the most recognizable left-wing figure in Germany and one of the country's most popular politicians. She has been a member of the German Bundestag for the party known as the left or Die Linke since 2009. She served as co-leader of the left's parliamentary caucus from 2015 to 2019. But now she's making headlines for leaving the left and starting her own party. Born and raised in Eastern Germany, Wagenknecht was 20 years old when the Berlin Wall fell. She quickly became active in the successor to the East German Socialist Unity Party, which was known as the PDS, Party of Democratic Socialism, and gained notoriety for leading a far-left grouping inside the PDS, which was known as the Communist Platform. In recent years, she has stood out for positions that were often at odds with the rest of her party and that struck a populist and a nationalist tone. Her criticism of Chancellor Merkel's policy toward the migration crisis in 2015 and a call for a cap on refugee admissions, skepticism toward vaccination during the COVID pandemic. These positions fed speculation in recent years that she intended to break away and form her own party based on her brand of anti-woke leftism, after months of speculation, she presented that alliance on October 23rd. For now, it's called the zara Wagenknecht Alliance for Reason and Fairness, which is a mouthful, but the party will probably get a new name before too long. It would be the first new party formed in Germany since the AFD was created in 2013, and it would further fragment the German political party system. Wagenknecht reportedly plans to formally launch the party early next year, just in time for the European Parliament elections in June, and state elections that will follow in the eastern German states of Thuringia, Saxony, and Brandenburg. Not coincidentally, those are the places where her support is likely to be the highest, and it's also where she would have to strip voters away from the far-right AFD, which leads public opinion polls in all three of those states. How is the Wagenknecht party likely to perform? Her political views include typical left-wing approaches to economic policy, but also uh, they focus on restrictive migration policy, anti-green positions, and a pro-Russian stance that appeals to many members of the right-wing electorate as well, and thus creates the potential for some ideological crossover uh, or migration of voters from right to left. Along with my colleague, Dr. Eric Langenbacher, senior fellow here at AGI, we are seeking to better understand the impact that Sarah Wagenknecht and her new party might have on German politics. And we're honored to have with us Dr. Sarah Wagner, who is an expert on radical left parties. Among her most recent publications is an analysis entitled, Bridging Left and Right, How Sarah Wagenknecht Could Change the German Party Landscape. You can find the link to the article in the show notes, But now, let's get started. Well, it's a pleasure to have all of our listeners with us uh, today for this episode of The Zeitgeist. We are uh, speaking on October 26th, 2023. And uh, I'm joined by uh, Dr. Eric Langenbacher, who is the director of the Society, Culture, and Politics program here at uh, the American-German Institute. Uh, Good morning, Eric. Good morning. And I'm going to turn to you to introduce uh, our guest, uh, Dr. Sarah Wagner. Um, from uh, the University of Belfast.
1: Thanks, Jeff. Yes, I'm thrilled to introduce our uh, uh, podcast partner today, who is Dr. Sarah Wagner, a lecturer in quantitative political science at Queen's University Belfast, where she works on political parties and their voters, focusing specifically on Western European radical left party parties and sociocultural issues. Previously, she was a postdoctoral researcher at the University of Mannheim's Comparative Politics Chair, and she was the Principal Investigator and Director at the Mannheim Center for European Social Research, uh, specifically on the project Challenges of Radical Left and Left-Wing Populist Parties for Party Competition and Coalition Politics in Western Europe. Wow, that's a long one. I really had to take a breath in between. Uh, she got her PhD on radical left parties and the role of Euroscepticism at the University of Essex, uh, with a with funding through the Stiftung der Deutschen Wirtschaft, uh, funded by the German Federal Ministry of Education and Research. So, um, thanks for um, taking time to speak with us today, Dr. Wagner.
2: Thank you so much for having me. Good good afternoon on my side.
1: Yes. All right, um, Jeff, I think you had a few preliminary remarks and then we will get right into some questions. Well, uh, listeners
0: will have heard the introduction, but the the thing that I, I guess I just wanted to start with is, you know, placing Sarah uh, Sarah Wagenknecht into an American political context uh, is, is pretty difficult. Um, and uh, and so, you know, for people who may not be avid followers of German politics, but are interested in uh, the, the topic, if you if if you want to imagine what Sarah Wagenknecht Connect would be like in a in an American uh, political form, it would be something like if you took the economic positions of Bernie Sanders and combined it with the American right wing's obsession with migration and the southern border. Um, uh, this strange juxtaposition. Position, um, at least strange for uh most European and American political forces, is what we see with Sarah Wagenknecht. And there's a whole lot more to unpack there too, but just maybe as a as a a teaser uh to to get us started.
1: Well, i I, I would not entirely agree, agree with that characterization, but I'm um keen to hear what Dr. Wagner has to say about uh her Connect's prof- profile and the juxtaposition of these different positions.
2: Yeah, I think I think that's quite a, a generous um, um, picture you're drawing here. I have to say, um, I I think I am gonna um, take liberty of the boring political science uh, perspective here, and um, maybe start with this idea that this is a, an unusual juxtaposition of of two different. Um, political dimensions let's say um and with that being said so usually when we think about the political party space we think about um like one economic dimension so that's usually characterized by those who are more on the left who are more pro redistribution and pro taxation of the rich for example and then those who find themselves more on the right so they're more for uh free um free markets and in a small state. Um, and that is usually just the, the economic dimension, right? And then we have a sort of cross-cutting um, orthogonal dimension that's been more and more important in, in the recent like two, three, four decades. And that is the, the issues that we found along the sociocultural dimension. So with people being more progressive um, on the one side, so pro-immigration, pro um climate, like helping to to avoid repercussions of climate change um, and also supporting minority rights. And then those who are more conservative, so those who are arguing um, against, for example, things like same-sex marriage and um, all of these other more conservative positions. Now, usually what we find is that left-wing economic parties are met with progressive sociocultural positions And more conservative parties also have more right wing economic positions. That is the usual combination that that we're kind of used to. However, we can also see parties that are more left wing on, on economic issues and, and actually conservative on sociocultural issues. And that isn't as um, unintuitive as it first seems. When we think back to like the 50s and 60s, a lot of the more social um, democratic parties actually had that kind of profile. So they were... Supporting workers, and they were against more migration because they They were threatened by migrants coming in and reducing the the minimum wage um, by making um, labor more more competitive and um, being okay with being paid less. Um, and this is kind of what what uh, Sarah Wagenknecht is. Um, is trying to um, fill this uh, sort of representational gap because right now in germany we only have parties that are um sort of left wing uh, economically and progressive or um left or uh, right wing economically and uh, conservative and then also we have some outliers of um uh, right-wing economic party that is also quite progressive if the Free Democrats. So there's like a big gap there of like people who would like to see some more representation of, of left-wing conservative um, politics. And that's kind of what she what she's trying to do at least.
1: Well, if I could just jump in for a second. So I don't see too much of Bernie Sanders in the current um, uh, manifestation of Sada Wagenknecht. She had a big interview, for instance, in the Süddeutsche Zeitung today, where she talked about the importance of the Mittelstand and lost markets and how Germany needs to be, you know, open and, you know, friends with everybody so that the German prosperity based on trade can continue and also cheap energy and stuff like that. So, um, uh, Sarah, maybe tell me how... Wagenknecht, at least on this economic dimension, is still kind of left-wing. I mean, I don't hear anything like I would hear from the Linke, like tax the rich and stuff like that. So, I mean, what's leftist about her anymore?
2: Yeah, I think that's an excellent question. I have to say, I was also surprised. So on Monday, she had this big press conference where she um, made her um Zara Wagner coalition Um, which is kind of the pre-step before actually um, kicking off her her real party, um, where she announced that. And there she really did talk a lot about the economy and needing to collaborate with countries. Um, I think the main main message there wasn't so much about um, the markets and it was more about uh, criticism of the current coalition government um, that has been very focused on um, not importing gas, for example, from Russia. And her criticism is, amongst many things, we can talk about this Russia conversation maybe in a little bit because there's a lot to unpack there. Um, but her main criticism is that now all the gas prices are so expensive in Germany and that people who are more uh, in more precarious positions and um, who don't earn as much money can't afford to heat their houses. I think that is kind of what she, where she's coming from, which is a typical left-wing um position to take um however i i do agree with you that there is a lot that was said there that didn't quite fit into the typical um far left approach at least and more things that we heard that reminded me a little bit of of sort of the Schröder Blair wandel durch handel like trade helps us um mm-hmm. to to accomplish change
0: yeah uh, and and so uh, that that leads to the question you know on the one hand, uh, Sarah Wagenknecht has been around German politics for a long time. She uh, has been in leadership positions uh, on of the party, which is now known as the left, Die Linke. And so she has a national recognition and media presence that is uh, you know, matched by relatively few German politicians. And so perhaps something, one thing that's going on here is... Uh, uh not so much a left-leaning uh, set of policy prescriptions, but um, instead an opportunistic attempt to take advantage of her um you know, widespread popularity, I think it's fair to say, um, uh, with some otherwise, you know, not terribly radical um, uh, positions um uh, compared to what a real leftist uh, might uh, might might prescribe.
2: Yeah I think I think there's a lot of the, um a lot of truth in there I think um especially um when it comes to her economic position I think we need to wait and see what she actually puts into her party manifesto because right now it's it's very speculative to to think about where she actually stands on this I mean she has been as you rightly said so well known for being the sort of radical wing within the left party, but not necessarily for a radical economic position, but rather for her very different um, approach to these sociocultural issues. Um, so I, I, I personally don't think she puts a lot of salience on these economic positions because that's not where the voters come from. Essentially, they come from cultural issues. And I think that's where the real meat is.
1: Mm-hmm. Speaking of voters for a second, uh, there was a, a a very interesting poll that was published a few days ago after she announced this new alliance uh, that showed that her potential party could command as much as twelve percent of the vote amongst German voters. Um, what's also interesting is this poll looked at you know where these voters would come from, and the biggest share would come from the AFD, which goes down to only eighteen percent in this poll. But then this is followed by the CDU. Um, CSU, which is down two and a half, and then marginal amounts from um, other parties, well, 1% from the left. But the FTP actually goes up, so I thought that was kind of interesting. But, um, uh, you know, she has talked repeatedly about how her target would be voters who support the AFD. The, that's the her, her, I guess, ideal kind of voting demographic. Um, but I mean, do you think that this level of support is realistic? Could she really get 12% of the vote?
2: God, I I have to give these boring um academic answers all the time, but I think we uh need to take all of these polls of if- a huge grain of salt. We do not know what people, like the respondents of all of these polls actually mean when they when they think about a, a Sarah Wagenknecht party. There's no manifesto so far. We don't exactly know who's part of the organizational stru- structure. I mean, there isn't actually a party right now to date. It's just been announced. Um. So I think that's, that's the one side of it that we cannot at this point Um, actually have any credible measurements of the actual numbers that we're looking at here. Um, However, we can see that there is at least interest, right? That's kind of what all of this is showing. There is interest and there's specifically certain groups of voters that are more interested in a party like this than others. And um, I, with a few um, colleagues, Konstantin Woodman and Jan-Philipp Tomczek, I published a study in, in June where we looked at this potential of the voters of Sarah Wagenknecht. And what we did find is that most of the voters would be coming from um, the right-wing AFD, and that isn't um, necessarily super surprising. I mean, the AfD is so far actually the only party in Germany that is um, catering to people who have um, an anti-immigrant sentiment and who are un- unhappy and unsatisfied with um, the the German state of, of um, democracy and party representation. So this is it makes sense for her to to cater to this clientele of, of people because ultimately not all of these people. Really find uh, are comfortable in in the AFD home. A lot of them don't necessarily feel like um, they are right wing or radically right wing, or that they don't feel like um, people like Björn Höcke, who um, have been and legally called fascists. Um, are representing them. Just to
0: interrupt for our listeners, Bjorn Hucke is the leader of the AFD in the state of Turingen and uh, really one of the most extreme right uh, figures uh, in the AFD.
2: Exactly, yes. And I think there is some sort of... um, element to a lot of these votes feeling like they have nowhere else to go but the afd but not feeling like the afd is really their political home so this is exactly where those that kind of voter mobilization could potentially come from and i think also what you were saying eric from the 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 um, sort of the rank order um one down was like voters potentially coming from the cdu csu also um a party that um has a lot of salience on conservative issues, right? So there, again, we can see that a lot of this traction is coming from um, sociocultural um, elements rather than economic elements, Mm -hmm. um, the economic dimension, rather. Um, What we don't see is a lot of mobilization coming from uh, Die Linke, the left party, the party um, that until a few days ago, Zara Wagner was still a member of. And I think There's a lot of different reasons for why that's probably the case, but I think the most um, convincing one, at least for me, is that most of the people who supported Sarah Wagenknecht and her policies and who voted for the left have already left. That's um,
0: as as you as you uh, rightly note uh, the the left is now below five percent in national opinion polls. They only scraped into the Bundestag in twenty twenty one because they won three directly uh, elected seats. Um, and so this is a party that has long been in decline um, and may have lost all of the people who are who were uh, open to abandoning them. Um, uh, Sarah, I I wanted to. Um, Shift a little bit to, uh, and I take, of course, uh, to heart your uh, your point that it's uh, hard to predict the future. Um, but if we look at the political landscape in Germany, um, uh, where this uh, new movement and party are going to, are, are landing, um, it is a country that, um, on the one hand, has seen a dramatic rise in the public support for the uh, far right AFD. Uh, which is now around twenty percent in national polls. Um, we just saw a couple of state elections, Bavaria and the state of Hesse, uh, where the AfD did very well, um, and perhaps a little surprisingly in Hesse, they you know got eighteen percent um, of the vote—a pretty remarkable success. Um, if we look ahead, we're going to have four elections next year: <clears throat> the European Parliament elections, which happen in June. And then three elections in the um, in the eastern states of uh, Thuringia, uh, Brandenburg and Saxony. In a way, these seem like almost ideal conditions for a Sarah Wagenknecht party because the European Parliament elections uh, do not have high barriers to participation and representation. Um, They typically uh, would be more likely to be a protest vote uh, election. Low turnout um, and so uh, and and little direct impact on people's lives. So if you're feeling unhappy about the state of migration or any other of the issues we've already talked about, then maybe you're going to show up and uh, and cast a vote for Sarah Wagenknecht. And then three states in eastern Germany where um, Sarah Wagenknecht uh, comes from uh, and is uh, and where you have. Uh, strong support for the AFD they're in first place in all three of those states uh, in polls right now um so is this the ideal moment is there anything that uh, that is that would work against uh, her making a big splash on the electoral map next year
2: yeah as, I think as you rightly say this is the perfect condition like all of these elements are gonna work in our favor if if things go. Um, I guess, according to plan for her, I think uh, another factor that is really important is the incredible dissatisfaction with the current coalition government that exists in in Germany. I think people really don't feel represented by the government, um, which is in part due to political communication, but then in other parts also due to a lot of these crises not being handled in a very good way. And all of these factors should really contribute to to, uh, a success story here. But this is not going to be, uh, this is not guaranteed, right? So Sarah wagner tried to start her own um, um, campaign uh, a couple of years ago, back in 2018. She, she started this movement called Aufstehen, um, which was supposed to really kickstart um, this idea of uh, changing the the German left without starting a, a new party, right? So this was when she is still attached to, to um, the left, the party. Um, and it, it quite frankly failed because of her lack of organizational skills. And she's, uh, she said this herself as well, that this is not where her talent is. She's not very good at, um, organizing people, especially in the long run, this is what you have to do and starting a party isn't a very easy job at all. You have to um, really get a lot of people involved, like tens of thousands of people. You think about this in the big German landscape, Having you need representation in in states, you need offices, you need bureaucrats. Um,
0: You need people who are going to go out on a Saturday morning to a marketplace and engage with the the public to explain why um, they should be paying attention and voting for Sarah Wagenknecht.
2: Yes, exactly, and and we saw how um, how much money and and general resources that cost the the AFD about a decade ago. So mm. that that is the the precedent here. That it is quite a it is a good lot of work. And although this is arguably easier for Sarah Wagenknecht, because as you said before, uh, Sarah Wagenknecht is probably one of the most established uh, German uh, politicians. Like I think she has a. A recognition rate i saw this number the other day of like 88 percent um which is mad for for politician i mean this is like harry styles numbers uh kind of thing <laughs> <laughs> um but so a lot of the hard work has already been done by her for her for her own cause but still starting your own party isn't is a really really tough job so that's really what stands in the way of her and this big success story for herself, I guess, not necessarily for German democracy. And, and to just add to that. just to
0: like a, a, one f- follow up on that. In the announcement of her movement uh, and intent to found a party, uh, several people from the, uh, Die Linke uh, have uh, jumped ship and joined her. Yeah. Um, but are there are any of those figures or others um do they bring that organizational capacity? Where does she draw on that? Um, maybe it's worth pointing out her her husband, Oscar LaFontaine, is a former uh, chairman of the Social Democratic Party and uh, former finance minister. Um, he left the SPD um, and joined Die Linke. Since left that party. But nevertheless, uh, despite his advanced age, he's uh, turning 80, I think um, he is someone who is well networked in, let's say, labor uh, circles and so forth. Is there some potential there? Like, how do you build a party um, from uh, from almost nothing?
2: I think this is the biggest challenge I mean this is something I was looking for in the press conference and I didn't really see much of I mean like when we think about back when the left got started um, we saw a lot of trade union people in like the in the front rank starting this party and these are the people who know how to organize right that's uh, that's their capacity and that's not something that i could necessarily find in in the at least in the list of names i've seen so far of people involved with the sarah wanknecht uh, bündnis um, but maybe i mean i stand to be corrected maybe um these people are already working in the backgrounds but so far i mean she's she's um a few of the the left um party um people have, who have joined her don't have a lot of um recognizability except probably for uh, Mohammed Ali who was also part of the the left party leadership so her leadership background um will probably help um but I, I I do I think this is the biggest um the biggest point of of concern um from from her perspective for sure
1: um I, I like I, I know our our time is starting to come to a close but I I just have so many. Uh, questions still. Um, I found it really interesting when we were kind of uh, loosely going through all the advantages that Wagenknecht's new party might bring to the you know competitive party political landscape in Germany. But besides the kind of organizational issues, you know, I feel like there there are some hurdles that that her party would would face as well and in particular i mean i really think it it, it it's interesting i don't want to i don't want to focus just on the kind of immigration issue but it seems that uh, that um issue in this kind of uh, social cultural dimension is really the one that 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 seems to be getting the most traction and i guess my question would be you know that issue was already owned um, uh, well, that issue position is already owned by the AFD. And as much as I understand that maybe some people are put off by the radical voices within the AFD and they would like another kind of alternative, I could also imagine people saying, well, why would I eat margarine when I can eat butter Like, like and go for the real thing? So do you really think that she'll be able to make major inroads if that becomes her, uh, her issue uh, versus the AFD? Oh, and then let me just add my other kind of question too. Um, so going back to, okay, I know the polling is very kind of suspect at this point, but I didn't see anything broken down by East or West residency. Are we right to assume that uh, the bundes uh, sahra connect would re- resonate more in the Eastern Länder than in the West? Uh, do you have any thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, maybe just quickly on that, on that last point first. So in, in the study we uh, published in, in June, we did see a significant difference between those who are East Germans and those who are West Germans and their propensity to, to vote for a party like a Wagner party. And that obviously, I mean, there's been talked um, about a lot of, um, this goes back to the, the deprivation that exists in East Germany. It's, it's a big cleavage between um, the divide between East and, and West Germans are re- is real. And this is also East Germany is, is where we see such high numbers of um, of afd voters but also where uh, we find a a left party uh, leadership uh, in in the state government so you can see that a lot of these um a lot of the the parties that speak to um People who aren't who don't feel represented necessarily, and who feel like they're not being um, part of the conversation, they get a lot of votes in East Germany. That being said, we have just seen, as you rightly say, Bavaria and Hesse, where um, <laughs> where we actually uh, had to re shift uh, our um, the way we we thought about the AfD problem in Germany. Uh, so it's not no longer just an East German problem; it is also a general German problem. Um, but yes, so why why wouldn't they, why would the voters not go for the real thing? <laughs> um, I think I think you're right. I think a lot of the voters are going to stick. and we've seen this um, in in a lot of the the studies that have been done on the AFD that we currently still think about AFD voters as protest voters, and they really aren't. Um, I think the latest polls have, have shown that about uh, half of of the AFD voters. Um, actually say this is their political home, this is their party, and the other half said they're still flexible, they're still voting for protest reasons, and they don't find another party that would uh, represent them as well. So I think the potential would never go beyond that because um, the AfD has been around for too long now and has really established itself as the anti-immigrant party in Germany. Um, I think it would it is um, a positive thing that Sarah Wagenleit has... Um, for these voters that Sarah it has been in the media for now almost 30 years, right? 10 years, the main thing she has been talking about on, on talk shows and on, on TV, radio and, and all kinds of broadcasting has been um, the refugee crisis and how there needs to be a different answer to it. So I think she has a very high credibility when it comes to this issue. Um, this distinguishes her from just any anyone starting a, a left conservative party. She actually has a very credible reputation on this issue already, which might help her to get these voters that are still um, within the realms of mobilization from the AfD.
1: Mm-hmm. And also, I just want to um, go back to one really brilliant point that you brought up um, earlier, which is if you look back to the uh, to many social democratic parties in the nineteen fifties and sixties, that they also had had you know more restrictive attitudes towards immigration and migration. I think that's really really a great point. And if she can channel that, then maybe that is her kind of like ultimate uh, uh, advantage.
0: I'm glad you bring that up, Eric, because it, it also sort of stuck out to me. Um, and if if I look at, just for example, uh, at the state elections in Hesse, um, if you look at the exit polling data on uh, where votes uh, changed and where support came from, the AFD won about 18% in HESA, very little of that. Was stolen or taken away or um, gotten from former CDU voters. Um, there was a much uh, there was there were ten times as many ex SPD voters who migrated to the AFD um, compared to from the CDU. Um, now that wasn't the only source of new voters, but it was the single largest source of new voters for the AFD. And I think that speaks to this um uh the th- this uh you know, resonance of of some of these culturally conservative themes among um SPD and you know sort of Center, center former center left voters.
2: yeah and I, I think this um I think that that's exactly right and what actually speaks more to this is that Zara Wagner doesn't just talk about immigration what well, she specifically criticizes is the lifestyle left um and what she means with that is kind of the all those people who um talk about progressive issues um such as like climate change and rights for minorities she has um made some transphobic comments in the past doesn't acknowledge um trans people for example and and all of these issues i think resonate with a lot of people who find themselves a bit lost within these progressive topics um and sort of an re-
0: anti-woke leftism if exactly. you want to call it that. yeah
2: yeah that's a, that's exactly the, the right way to put it and that kind of um while the afd does talk about these sort of issues as well i think um She has been criticizing this for quite a while and does have a lot of credibility when it comes to these issues because she takes it from a, um, she seems very rational, let's say about this, and tries to reshape the focus. So whereas the AFD talks about it in a very populist sense, and I'm not saying Sarah Wagner doesn't, but they kind of take it from the populist perspective, whereas Sarah Wagner, what she does is she talks about this anti-wokeness and says, we need to reshape our focus and reshift our focus to the workers and the working class and um, the people who are being forgotten. And this, I think, works for a lot of people.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We are um, going to have to bring our conversation to a close because, unfortunately, uh, Sarah, you've got other things to do uh, and uh, we, you've been very generous with your time. But I wanted to to, to leave with a, you know, a, a pivot, perhaps, to the um, in a way to the international um, side of things, uh, another area that Eric mentioned, um, where Sarah Wagenknecht has really been um, uh, consistent, if you want to call it that, and and very present in the German public discourse, has to do with Russia. Um, she has uh, for many years, be even before the um, the Russian uh, invasion of Ukraine in 2022 um, has been, let's say, a very understanding and very supportive voice for the German-Russian relationship. Um, she has uh, been, of course, very anti-NATO and she has uh, really um, stuck to, I think it's fair to say, the Russian official line in how they justify their uh, invasion of Ukraine and an assault on the European security order. Um, I combine that with another um, factor, uh, and that is earlier this year, um, uh, her husband, Oscar LaFontaine, who um, had left the SPD with a lot of bitterness um, and joined uh, D. Linke, um, he had a a sort of public reconciliation with former Chancellor Gerhard Schroeder um uh you know, lafontaine and schroeder were in the cabinet together lafontaine quit as finance minister uh and then was uh, extremely critical of the economic and labor market reforms that schroeder uh, introduced uh anyway that's all maybe a little bit too much detail but gerhard schroeder of course is also famously the uh, the single most prominent advocate of uh, of russian views in german politics um is there some connection between all these things, a, 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 a Oscar LaFontaine and uh, Gerhard Schroeder patching things up just before uh, Oscar LaFontaine's wife launches a a new party that seeks to capitalize not only uh, on anti-migrant sentiment, but also uh, the, the strong um, and persistent uh, minority of Germans who kind of wish the war in Ukraine would just go away? Um, and they could get back to being uh, good friends and buying Russian gas.
2: Yeah, I I wouldn't go so far as to say that um, there's some sort of um, relationship between all these different factors, but I I do think they speak to a more general issue that I think isn't a German issue, but an issue within the the left, um, which is how do we deal with Russia? Because we've been romanticizing Russia for 50, 60 years and have never dealt with this. We saw absolutely no uh discourse within any of the left-wing parties in Europe after 20 uh, 2014, right? Um right. and and I think this is a, a more a bigger issue than just uh, uh the home life of, of Sarah Wagenknecht necessarily. Um I, I think there is there is a lot to be said here about Zaratang um romanticizing Russia, but also within the same breath being quite sternly anti-American. But then also simultaneously, and this is what you've been saying, Eric, right? Like saying no, we need to be very forward as Germany, and we need to focus on our economy and our market. So there, I think there is a lot of things that don't really match up here, and we need to we need to see how um, things develop. Um, I think her focus is, is um, ideologically that that um, we need to move past uh, this idea of, of uh, the Cold War and need to uh, become closer with Russia again. Um, and within the context of Ukraine, she's mobilized this issue very well and staged um, one of the biggest protests against sending weapons uh, to Ukraine um, back um, in the spring of last year. Um, I think this is... Uh, this it could be one of the defining issues for her because yeah. there has been so much um criticism of, of especially the coalition government um investing a lot of money in helping ukraine out um not just for um for ukraine also for like selfish reasons right um but the the main criticism has been from people that well now well, heating was becoming more expensive for people but also there's so much money being sent helping ukraine and people try to, to scapegoat, find a scapegoat to, um, um, blame why they're not feeling, why they're not, um, feeling particularly looked after by the government. And, um, the big scapegoat I think was, was the Ukrainian, uh, was the Russian aggression and the Russian invasion.
0: And as, as you point out, I mean, the, the support for Ukraine, it, it there is majority support for, um, Germany's assistance to Ukraine within the German public, but, there is uh, a, a, a recognizable um, and significant minority that opposes it. And since she may be able to capitalize uh, on that. Well, I, I feel that we could go on talking for uh, another uh, half hour or even longer about all of these things. And there's, there's a lot that we haven't had the chance to touch on, but we'll have to save that for another time. Um, so uh, Sarah Wagner... I want to thank you uh, so much for spending this time with us um, and uh, for uh, bringing your research uh, to our audience. By the way, you made reference to the article that uh, you and your co-authors published uh, earlier this year. We will put that in the show notes so folks can find the link to that uh, on our website um, if you want to uh, to read more. Uh, Eric, any last words?
1: No, I'm just very grateful that you took the time to speak with us today about uh, something with potentially big consequences for German politics. So just thank you so much. All right. Well, Sarah, thank thank thanks.
2: Thank you so much. <laughs> and
0: uh, we, we, will, uh, we will look forward to keeping in touch. And um, we look forward to having uh, all of our listeners with us uh, on the next episode of The Zeitgeist. Thanks for listening to The Zeitgeist, a podcast produced by the American German Institute at Johns Hopkins University. You may know us under our old name, the American Institute for Contemporary German Studies. Send us your feedback by email at info at AICGS.org or on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, where we have new handles at A-M-G-E-R-I-N-S-T. And also please visit our website at AmericanGerman.institute formerly AICGS, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. Thanks.